Hey you, I'm Dallas Ann, creator of the Violet Pie, and you're listening to Knitting Myself Together. This season revolves around the theme of knitting in public, and in this episode, I'll be talking about what knitting looks like while I'm out in the wild, so to speak. So, I guess I should start off today by just asking you, do, do you knit in public? I know some knitters are very adamant. Their fiber, their needles, stay at home or stay safely ensconced in their bag until they get to where they're going and then all the fiber comes out and they do their stuff. I, however, struggle with anxiety. And maybe you've seen those articles floating around online, but there's a lot of them that talk about how fine motor skills help suppress the portion of your brain that produces anxiety. So as long as you're doing the fine motor skills, anxiety can't actually manifest. And well, if I was part of that sample, I would be pinging yes, because knitting absolutely helps me deal with what I call my brain bees. And, you know, I never know when it's going to happen. It just ramps up suddenly out of nowhere and bam. Because, you know, anxiety's not rational. It's kind of terrible. And I never know when it's going to strike. So my motto is have knitting, will travel. Be that to the grocery store or on the airplane to the other side of the country. Knitting always goes with me. So there are some places that I won't knit. You know, like if something tragic happens and I need to go to a funeral, I don't knit at the funeral or the visitation. That's just super tacky. And you know, it's also not about me. It's, it's about the person who lost someone. Um, also, generally, I, I won't knit at a wedding. No, let me refrain. A rephrase. I will not knit during the wedding. But at the reception, if I know the person and they know me really well, yeah. I'll knit at the reception because I'm a terrible dancer. Nobody wants to see me doing that. Mm-mm, nope. Uh, but one of the places that is super weird that I do knit, that I don't think I've ever heard of anybody knitting before, is at my lovely OBGYN's office. And, and yes, yes, that's exactly what you think of right now in your head is exactly what's happening. I'm laying on my back, looking up at the ceiling and my knitting needles while feet are in the stirrups because that's a terrible, terrible appointment. I mean, I love my doctor, don't get me wrong, but it's stressful and uncomfortable and kind of gross and just no. So having my knitting really helps with all of that and it's also kind of an icebreaker. You know, I'm sitting on the end of the exam table in that paper gown knitting and the doctor walks in and she kind of stops does a double take and she's like oh you and then we're back on the same track also p.s if that's a thing you decide to try next time bring something small like the beginning of a hat or a sock because from personal experience here doing a sweater when you are decreasing for the yoke and you've got the sleeves, kind of knocks you in the face like an octopus. And that's just not where you want to be when you're in that position. Um, Another place that just actually came to mind that I won't knit is while driving. I mean, I don't have an automated self-driving car. That's not a thing in my life. I don't have the income to have a driver. Oh, let me tell you. 
having my own personal driver would be one of the very first things I hire in my life when I become independently wealthy. Anyways, putting that to the side. I have friends in LA who apparently feel very differently than I do about this whole knitting while driving thing. Now, I live in the middle of nowhere Midwest. There's really no traffic to speak of. But my friends who live in LA, I regularly see pictures posted on social media of them behind the wheel of their car in bumper to bumper traffic, getting a round or two of on their socks in before they inch forward a little bit. And so driving is stressful for me as it is, and just looking at those pictures kind of freaks me out. But maybe I'd feel differently if I actually lived in LA. I don't know. I mean, that's not a thing that's actually going to happen, this whole moving back to the West Coast thing. But even if it did, I don't think I would acclimate to that point. One of the most embarrassing moments I've ever had while knitting in public was while I was at a church. Now, <laughs> this particular church has all of their pews on uh, an incline. Each pew is slightly higher than the one in front of it. And I'm sure you can see where this is going. Um, I'm happily knitting away. There's a whole pew of us crafters knitting, crocheting, doing our thing. Kids are drawing. We're all listening. And suddenly something happens. I don't even know what. But my yarn starts going bouncing down underneath all of the pews. Nobody catches it. It doesn't get snagged on anybody's purse, coat, shoes, nothing. And along the linoleum floor, it just keeps on sliding down. And in my efforts to grab it before it goes too far, I lose my DPNs. And they're metal DPNs and they go clinkity 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 clink all the way down. And of course, my bright teal ball of sock yarn ends up at the very bottom. I mean, I collected my yarn after the service was over. To this day, I have not found those DPNs, but whatever. They were easily replaceable. Still, terribly embarrassing, though I don't think anybody really noticed except for the folks sitting in my pew, but still. <sighs> Stressful. Not, not something I want to ever repeat again. I often knit in common places like libraries or while waiting uh, to go into appointments. Also, I escape quite frequently to coffee shops and I knit there because they've got fairly decent Wi-Fi and I can watch my terrible, terrible television that I'm kind of addicted to and knit away and just do my thing. Um, now, one of the drawbacks, for me at least, for knitting in public is that I have the exact opposite of resting bitch face. I have the come up to me and talk to me and tell me your whole life story face which, for the longest time, it really annoyed me. It was just not a good thing in my life. I just wanted people to leave me alone. But I, I learned to embrace it. I've learned to accept the fact that, for some reason, 
I am apparently that person's safe space to share what they need to talk about and move on with their life. Sometimes you just need a stranger to tell you, tell for you, ah, words, you know. Strangers need a place to deposit their stuff and then move on with their life. I guess it's a bit of unfair, unbalanced emotional labor, but whatever. I'm, I've learned to accept it as part of my role in life. Anyways, this one time I was at Starbucks, I was working on actually my very first color work project. It was a worsted weight a Fair Isle pullover and it was the yarn was by Spud and Chloe it's a cotton wool blend that oh my gosh I generally hate working with cotton because it squeaks and it hurts my hands but this this stuff is amazing uh, I will make sure to link to this in show notes this this yarn I adore it and it's super durable and anyways off topic so I'm sitting there working with this gray and blue yarn completely immersed in the experience. I mean this, I was so enamored with color work, I finished this whole thing for myself in eight days. So speed knitting, it was super great, and out of the corner of my eye I catch a flash of red. And I look up and there's an older man there. I would say he's probably about in his late 60s. He has work-worn boots, like they are clearly peeling in various places. And his pants are faded carpenter, you know, they're, he very much looks like he's just come in from the field. His plaid button-down flannel shirt is tucked in, and his hands, gosh, they are clearly the hands of somebody who has spent their entire life outside working and arthritis has started to um, set in in his swollen knuckles and I finally reach his face and I make eye contact with him and he looks like he's about to cry and I I don't even know what to make of all of this and so I just say hi can can I help you with something and he proceeds to tell me about his wife or should I say his former wife she had passed away the year before and before that she had knit him socks for every single gifting holiday ever birthdays Father's Day Christmas you know what have you she would knit him a pair of socks and he has I, I can't even imagine what sort of sock drawer he has I am so enviable of that oh my goodness Anyways, he has found since his wife's passing that these socks, wearing these, makes him feel like she's not gone. It brings her back into his life. He feels the touch of her in his day-to-day -day life as he's walking and going about his business. And, you know, socks don't last forever. And he started to wear holes in the heels and in the balls of his feet and, and he wanted to know if I knew how to darn socks and could he hire me to do that. And as I'm listening to him say this, it's all I can do not to cry in sympathy for his situation. And also I'm hating myself just a tiny little bit.
Because up until this point, any socks I've ever knit have always been like with afterthought heels where I can just pick out a heel if it starts to wear out or I do a little bit of duplicate stitch when I start to see thin spots wearing. I've never learned to darn that that's just not a thing I've ever tried to add to my repertoire. And so that's what I have to tell him. And I feel like I'm murdering a kitten or something. It's just oh, terrible. However, I did give him uh, the contact number for our local yarn store. And, and in the hopes that maybe the owner knew how to darn or she could direct him to somebody who does. Well, he thanked me for the information and, and left and went about his day. And I've never seen him again. And... I often wonder what happened with all of that. Did, did he find somebody to darn his socks? Did he stop wearing his socks so he would just like leave them in his sock drawer and run his hands through the, the knitted material when he needed memories of his wife? Or did he decide to wear them to shreds and use that to signify that it was time to move on? I, I mean, how do you even move on from decade multiple decade long marriage and then have your spouse die I just anyways I've always wondered and I've never had closure to that story um but yeah be, that actually that experience is one of the reasons why I've begun to embrace and accept the fact that I might be a place for strangers to tell part of their life story so that they can move on with their life um but you know not all knitting in public things are touching or encouraging or moving um I you know like I said I knit when I travel I travel on the airplane often I'm a west coast transplant and I have a ton of friends who live back out on the west coast so I go back when I can uh, knitting in airports are great because you know people watching that's just ugh, love love people watching but uh, on the airplane itself, I try not to take out my knitting until we've reached cruising altitudes. I've had some flight attendants completely freak out over me knitting. They're like, I'm sorry, ma'am, but you need to put that away because that's dangerous to have out until we reach cruising altitudes, to which I'm internally rolling my eyes over. But whatever, I just put it away. Sometimes if I'm feeling daring, I have it out and I'm knitting stealth-like and I kind of put it down in my lap when they walk past. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Anyways, this one time I decided I am not going to pull out my yarn, I'm just going to wait. So I was reading my book, I had the aisle seat, another man had the window seat, there was an empty center seat, and I knew we were both hoping, against all hopes, that there was not going to be somebody sitting down. Well, that didn't happen. Because this very large man came down the aisle, sat down in the seat, and now keep in mind, when I say large, I mean he takes up a lot of space. He's built like a linebacker. He has a very intense personality. He just inhabits the space that he is in. He sits down in his seat and he proceeds to drape his leg over my ankles. And I 
lean away and I look at him, I give him the mom look. You know, the, the over the glasses, the arch eyebrows that excuse me. And I say to him, excuse me, sir. Your body's actually on my body. Can you please move? And he had the audacity to tell me that he couldn't. How he was is how he needed to be. And the man sitting in the window seat, by the way, he did not have that other man's leg draped over his ankles. Just buried his nose in the in-flight reading material and didn't say anything. So I leaned down because I'm not going to start a scene. It's a three-hour flight. I can deal with this. I just need to get to where I'm going. So I lean down into my carry-on and I pull out my socks. That I, uh, they were on these deep hands, the carbon. They have the metal tips that look like something ninjas would use. I love them so much. Anyways, I start knitting very rapidly, very furiously, making the click, 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 click sound. And the uh, shiny tips are catching the light. And suddenly, that man takes his body out of my personal space and puts it back in his appropriate bubble of space provided by that seat. And I just proceed to knit for the rest of the flight. Clearly, knitting in public in that time worked in my favor and helped maintain my bubble of space, which was really weird because generally it does exactly the opposite. But anyways, super thankful for it then. Uh, so I live in small town Midwest where if you don't necessarily conform to how everybody looks, you are known. And well, I wear dresses with unicorns on them and I have hot pink glasses and short dark hair that, you know, won't stay flat. So a lot of people know who I am and can easily identify me out of any small crowd that may be gathering in our small town. Well, I had somebody who I casually know approach me with a grocery bag that looked, I don't know, a little gross, a little dingy. And now, keep in mind, this woman is very, very kind. She's very grandmotherly. She's very attentive. She's super sweet. But she's also eccentric. And I have a feeling I'm going to have a lot in common with her when I get to be her age. Anyways, uh, she hands me this back. And she says, I, you know, you know, I, I, and then she kind of paused. And then she dove right back in. She said, I look through all the dumpsters in town before the garbage men come through because you would not believe the things that people throw away. And suddenly my heart sinks because I know exactly where she's going. You would not believe what this person threw away and I know you knit. So I brought it to you. Here you go. She hands me this bag. And then she goes and does her thing and I slowly back away and go back home while thinking back through the previous weekend in which 
I had finally given myself permission to throw away the acrylic yarn that I've, I had had on me since the 90s. Because, you know, you know how we fiber people are. We can't actually throw away yarn. But I finally gave myself permission because it was the super gross red heart squeaky plastic stuff that like cuts your fingers when you knit with it. No, 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 no. So I'd finally thrown it away. And so when I get home, I open that bag and it was all the yarn I had thrown away. It was like some sort of evil boomerang that had come back to inhabit my life. Well, I had a moment where I thought, is this the universe telling me that I need this yarn in my life? And then I came back to my senses and I said, no, no, no. No, you will throw this away again. This is the universe testing your resolve to declutter. So I tie it back up and I put it then inside my kitchen trash bag and then empty the coffee grounds on top of it and put an old uh, ground beef package on top of it and then I tie that up and take it back to the dumpster. Fingers crossed that never actually comes back because oh so gross. So yeah that's that's about where I'm at with knitting in public. You know goes with me everywhere. I would love to hear from you. And if you have any stories about knitting in public, do you knit in public? Do you take your stuff with you? Or do you have like designated projects that you leave at various places that you go to regularly? I seriously thought about that. You know, leaving um, socks at one person's house and uh, another project at a second person's house. That way I'm not hauling my fiber with me everywhere. I mean, I have emergency knitting in my car, in my glove box. You know, that's good not only for me, but also for friends who, if we're going somewhere and they forget their knitting, oh, hey, I have a sock that you can work on if you're so inclined. But yeah, do share with me. Talk to me about this. You know, you can engage with me on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. Pinterest would be kind of a weird place to do that, but you know, I'm there too. Blog comments. You can also drop me an email. All of that will be in show notes, or you can also find all that information at thevioletpie.com. Uh, but hey, before I let you go, I just did want to give you a quick update on um, some of the other things that are happening. So that click click that you hear in the background, that's the afghan that I'm working on. It's kind of my season one project. I knit super fast. You know how I said before my hope was to have the entire afghan done by the end of season one. I think that was a little ambitious even for me. I've never done an afghan before. Well, I haven't bitten off more than I can chew because it's just stockinette. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get it done by the end of season one. Nope. Uh, but yeah, that clickety-clack, that noise was all me knitting while I was talking here. I'll have some pictures to show you guys all on social media on, um, on that progress. Uh, the, the other thing I... I've discovered, this is on a more personal note, is that I don't actually have a lot to talk to you about in this segment where I wanted to talk to you about what was on my needles. Because, come to find out, when you're designing and creating prototypes and pitching designs to, for yarn support, there's not a lot of other time to just knit for me. It, 
I was not expecting that. I mean, I'm sure if I had looked at this logistically at the get-go, I would have come to this realization, but no, that's not a thing that occurred to me. And what really drove this home that I need to make sure that everything I'm designing and creating for you is something that I would want to wear and create myself is a few weeks ago I was trying to pump out this cowl. I was excited about the concept, but it was not something I would ever really wear myself. I, no. And it just would not work. I learned a very valuable lesson of when my breaking point should be. If things aren't working, I need to put it aside. Um, I still have some guilt over feeling like I wasted that yarn, but you know, it is what it is. And I'll, I'll definitely share more with you about this on, you know, what we jokingly call Doomsday Tuesday on the blog. And there'll be some pictures and um, a little bit of dialogue about that. But yeah, so now this really emphasizes, for me at least, that everything I'm creating for you needs to be also a creation for myself. Um, so, so yeah, the, the one other thing I wanted to leave with you is that on Sunday, May 7th, it's my birthday. I love birthdays so much, so much. I mean, so birthday season in my life started in March and it just keeps on rolling. I've got so many friends who have birthdays. Birthdays make me so happy. I mean, if it can't be my birthday, please let it be your birthday because cake cake and then I get to sing obnoxiously to you and if you live long distance and you're a friend of mine I'm gonna make an audio recording of me singing happy birthday and text it to you because cake and singing just make my life so much better and anyways on my birthday I really like to celebrate with people so in celebration for that I'm giving you a free shawl pattern you may have seen some of it on um, various social media channels. I'm calling it the Bobble Paw. Pictures will explain more and more detail. Oh, it's a little tongue-in-cheek title. Whatever. I don't care. Anyways, it'll be releasing on Sunday, May 7th, sometime in the morning. You know, after I wake up and I've had a little bit of coffee, then I'll gift it to you. And could you do me the huge favor of gifting me the likes and reposts, reblogs, and adding it to your favorites or your queue on Ravelry? That would just make my day a bajillion times better. And uh, I really, really hope to hear from you soon. Uh, like I said before, hearing from you on social media means the world to me. Telling your friends about the podcast and leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast is another way to help out in a very tangible format. Before I let you go, I have to give a shout out to Susan Phillips and Jared Bainter because without their immeasurable support, this would all still be a daydream instead of a reality. I'll be back in two weeks. I'd love to hear from you before then. You know where to find me. In the meantime, keep that yarn moving. <laughs>